Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to Money Wise, brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. And we have some special guests this morning. Today we're gonna to be talking about elder abuse, and specifically we're gonna be talking about financial elder abuse because it's really a serious subject. And I would imagine that some of you folks listening today have seen this with your own family, or you've had family members who might have taken advantage of you. We're gonna to talk today about some things that you can do to prevent that and to be on the alert for it. And I'd like to first of all start by welcoming my co-host this morning, attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning, everyone. And uh, thank you for being here, as usual. You're a, uh, a faithful sidekick. Is that a good description? No, uh, that's not a good it, description. It's a new description, but it's okay. Well, most importantly, we're, we're so pleased this morning to have a guest on who's been with us before. We have our special guest, District Attorney Thomas Quinn, Thomas M. Quinn III. Good morning, Tom. Morning, Ray and Tenny. Thank you for having me on again. It's a pleasure for uh, having you here this morning. You're also here with Greg Milioti, who's your Director of Communications. Good morning, Greg. And um, today we want to talk and focus on elder abuse. It's something that we've seen so much in our own practice, Tom, and I know that you have actually established a special unit in the district attorney's office dealing with elder financial abuse. It's really unfortunate when people get older. You know, this past weekend, there was a special article, uh, front page story in the Boston Globe talking about what a wonderful job the country of the Netherlands does in taking care of their elderly citizens. They never have to worry about the cost of medical insurance or where they're gonna live or how they're gonna feed themselves. They do probably the best job in the world, but we need to do more to take care of our seniors in general, don't we, Tom? Yes, we do. And unfortunately, in our office, um, Tenny, you've seen a lot of situations where elderly folks have been scammed out of not only just thousands of dollars, but sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we're gonna to talk today about some of the things that the district attorney's office is doing, and we're gonna be talking about what you need to be conscious of. What do you do if you have a problem? Usually, it's an interesting area because seniors themselves, sometimes when they find out that they've been scammed, they're embarrassed, and they don't wanna talk about it. Have you seen that before? Yes. People don't wanna report it, um, and often, it really is important for the family members, children, for example, to be aware of what's happening in their own family. So, uh, Tom, I'd like to give a little bit of background information about you. Uh, we've been fortunate to have you on the show before. You've been district attorney now for what, uh, since 2015, I guess. Yeah, approaching eight years. Yep. And do you enjoy your job? I do. I, I think it's a marvelous job. and. Uh, Way back a long, long time ago, when I first got out of law school, um, I happened to be practicing law with a gentleman named Ron Pina. And I ran his first campaign when he ran for a state representative. And then when he ran for district attorney, I worked on his campaign as well. Um, so 
I'm a little bit familiar with the office. Now, when you became district attorney the first time, you were appointed by Governor Charlie Baker in 2015, correct? Yes. Initially, <clears throat> initially I was appointed by Governor Deval Patrick, who was leaving office, uh, and then Governor Baker took over and, and appointed me to uh, the, p- the position. Uh, I then ran in a special election uh, in 2016, was unopposed, and then ran again Two, two years later, in 2018, for the full four-year term. It is a four-year term. So um, I am now stand for re-election for another four-year term. Uh, ironically, I did start my career under Ron Pena. You mentioned him in the late right. 80s. Uh, he was the first full-time district attorney uh, when the uh, legislature made it a full-time position. So um, I've been there, and uh, I think I've been about doing the job. Uh, when I became the district attorney, uh, it was clear to me that uh, our seniors who have done so much for our communities uh, were, were the subjects of, uh, you know, fraud and abuse. There's sadly always been physical abuse, but um, financial abuse. So I decided to do something about it, and I started a unit uh, that focused on both prosecution and prevention that I think has been very successful and well-received during the past seven and a half years. And um, after you were appointed, you were appointed because uh, Sam Sutter was district attorney at the time, and he had just gotten elected as mayor of Fall River, if I recall. That's correct, and it was a special recall election. He was elected, and then somewhat a unique situation, but uh, he became mayor, and then I was appointed uh, and, you know, uh, have been there since then with the thanks to the support of the people of the county. And by the way, the, the main office for the district attorney is in Fall River, is it not? That's correct. But you have satellite places where you mm-hmm. have staff as well? Yeah, we have offices uh, several years ago with the court moving to Fall River in t- uh, 2010. The uh, main office moved to Fall River in 2019. Um, we have offices in New Bedford, uh, Fall River, Taunton, and Attleboro. Okay. If somebody had a question or a concern about the district attorney's office, is there a particular telephone number they may want to call to talk to somebody? What do you mean by Well, let's say it was elder abuse, for example. You've got an elder abuse unit, I know. Is there like a main telephone number that uh, maybe Greg could supply or something like that? Yeah, the main number is 508-99-70711. And if it was a uh, question with uh, regarding elder abuse that could be directed to uh, someone in the unit who could take the information and we would follow up on it. They also, uh, some of the complaints come through Bristol, uh, Bristol Elder Services mm-hmm. um, and occasionally uh, uh, through our senior centers if the uh, uh, someone in a community, if a complaint is brought to them that might have some criminal implications, they, they could follow, uh, direct the person to call or to also local law enforcement. Mm-hmm. But I have created a unit uh, with an investigator that follows up on these matters. And again, I'm very proud of that because it has been successful uh, and it's necessary to protect our seniors who deserve to be protected. And that's called the Elder Financial Abuse Prevention Unit, right? Yes. Okay, and you've got a brochure, because I have a copy of the brochure. And by the way, if anybody listening today would like a copy of that brochure, you can call the district attorney's office, or you can call our office here. Uh, You can call for Attorney Tenny Lance at 508-998-8800. 
and we'd be happy to send you a copy of that brochure as well. It's a good starting point if you have concerns or questions about yourself or your spouse or somebody in your family. But the Elder Abuse Financial uh, Unit, or Elder Financial Abuse Unit, is a really significant step. One of the things that we've seen in our practice here, Tenny runs the law firm with Mike, attorney Mike Coleman, and I know you've seen a lot of situations yourself, Tenny. Sometimes people just don't want to report it. It's a family member that's taken advantage of them, and so they just absorb the loss. But unfortunately, we've just seen so many cases. So I have an interesting case right now I'll tell you about that actually may end up in the district attorney's office. Um, because the law firm here doesn't do work in the area of litigation, uh, the case has actually been referred out to another attorney in New Bedford. Uh, we have a client um, who hired a contractor to do some work in New Bedford, paid an $18,000 deposit. Contractor delivered a little bit of materials but never even started work. Lots of excuses. He was fired, um, did not return the $18,000. We sent some emails and said, you probably ought to return this money before it gets elevated to the next steps. And um, we did a little background checking. We were not engaged to uh, give advice to this client ahead of time and found out that his Rhode Island corporation was not qualified to do business in Massachusetts nor licensed in Massachusetts. In Rhode Island, his corporation had been dissolved. He never did produce insurance certificates for liability or workers' comp. He was clearly just not suitable to do the work. So we've referred the case out to another attorney with a suggestion that uh, you, make, you may want to make some uh, reports to the district attorney's office, Bristol uh, elders, and if not, then he's going to go after this guy for a 93A triple damages lawsuit. But the moral of that story is check it out. Don't start to hire somebody else to do work for you unless you know who they are, you've got references, make sure they have insurance. But have you ever seen cases of that kind of a situation, Tom? Yes, they come in different forms. It could involve, obviously, contractors can be a, a, an issue, um, buying motor vehicles or other services in which someone may take advantage of uh, uh, someone who is older. You know, speaking in general terms, you have, you know, You've got to be very careful on who you deal with now, um, especially contractors, if you can check them out. But our seniors are vulnerable victims. It could be somebody who is alone, mm -hmm. uh, which is often the case, uh, whether they're a widow or widower. Uh, they don't have that support right. of another spouse. And then, you know, it is... They should check it out and use due diligence, but on the other hand, what are they supposed to do? Call around and talk to all these people and get estimates? That's where the family comes in, because mm -hmm. a family member certainly could help them, guide them through the process before it gets too far. I, mean, I remember my father, he used to go buying a car too quickly and ended up getting out of it, but that's how it goes. You know, they come in, they make a representation, especially when you're getting money or committing to uh, paying money. Uh, you know, there's a lot of reputable contractors, but there's others who aren't. So it's a minefield out there for seniors, for, it is. for all of us, but it's a minefield. And it's everywhere. Uh, I think it's more so than ever before, so I think you just have to be careful. But if a matter is brought to us in general terms and we feel there's criminal conduct, 
the case will be charged. And we have been very successful uh, in handling those cases over the years. That's why it is easy just to talk about it and say mm -hmm. protect our seniors, right? And everybody claps and says yes. But I think we've done, I don't think, I know we have done something about it and I will continue to do that. Recouping money that in the past would never have been recouped. Uh, and also bringing charges in cases that probably wouldn't have been charged in the past. So. Right. And by the way, Tom, I remember your dad. I always enjoyed his company. I'm a little bit older than you, so I'm slightly above you in terms of generational <laughs> stuff here. But um, when we come back after a short break, we want to talk a little bit about some more things that you're doing, including being uh, currently president of the Massachusetts District Attorneys Association. That's quite an honor. And I also want to remind everyone that while you're listening to WBSM, there is a very important election coming up on September 6th. Make sure you get out and vote. Is that the correct date? That's correct. Okay. So Tuesday after Labor Day, September 6th. All right. So we'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking this morning with <coughs> Attorney Tenny Lance, and we're happy to have as our special guest District Attorney Tom Quinn. Our subject today is elder abuse, and especially elder financial abuse. So let me ask you a quick question, Tenny. You've seen examples yourself, haven't you? Far too many, unfortunately. And often, the, as you said before, the folks who come in to talk to us sort of begrudgingly give up information about abuse because they're embarrassed. Well, sometimes I know some of the things that we've seen here are when There'll be one child in the family who's living with the parents and still continuing to be supported by them financially, and they get to be accessing parents' money. Um, we had a situation not long ago when um, we had a client, we're not gonna mention any client names, obviously. She was a widow, husband had died. She had a niece uh, who was a very significant beneficiary in her estate plan and was also a co-signer on her account. And the client came to Tenney and found out that uh, the niece had been taking advantage and taking sums of money out of the bank and using it for her own benefit. This is a very recent case. The lady died in the last couple of months in Dartmouth, a Dartmouth resident. And fortunately for the client, she was able to change her estate plan in time and she eliminated the niece. Um, there's no chance of recovery against the niece, unfortunately, because the niece also died, and so there's nobody to go after for the money. But there was a fairly good sum of money that was taken. So, ladies and gentlemen, you have to be careful who you're dealing with and give Attorney Tenny Lance a call if you want advice on how to protect yourself or how to, how to make things equal in your family members. If you know that one family member, for example, Tenny, has received a lot of benefit uh, during the parent's lifetime, maybe you can account for that in an estate plan. Correct. Um, Attorney Quinn, I'd like to ask you, how does somebody report abuse and um, who should they call? What information should they have? Well, we have some information we put out. I think if it's obviously physical abuse, the police should be called. Um, if it's financial abuse, uh, they could come directly to our office, which happens. A call could be placed to that number, and the case would be referred to the financial crime slash elder fraud unit. Mm -hmm. The number is 1-888-243-5555. Uh, 
888-528-5337. That is the elder hotline. So I think, again, there's several avenues. You could go through Bristol Elder Service. You go through a local police department. But I don't want uh, seniors to feel bogged down in a process where they may not, if they may not get a response right away, so they, again, could contact that number. Uh, I think what is difficult, as you alluded to, is you're dealing with several different aspects to this. You have family members uh, who manipulate a situation with their elder, whether it's a son, daughter, niece, uh, and obtain funds. Now, a, a, a person has a right to give money the way they want to give it, uh, to whom they want to give it. But I just think in general, you have to be very careful that you're doing it through your own free will, because it, unfortunately, often they're supporting uh, a drug habit. Right, uh, that's what I hear a lot. A drug habit, which certainly <clears throat> is best that can be. We want our seniors to enjoy uh, the, you know, the latter part of their lives. In, in relative peace to the extent that, you know, uh, they can. Health issues impact everybody. But to be subject to being abused by a family member for money who, uh, as Ray said, is living at home and being supported by the person uh, is a sign. Caretakers give loving care and dedicated care, but they also uh, gain trust and access to money. We've had cases uh, such as that where it resulted in, in money being stolen. We had a case over in Taunton several years ago. It was successfully prosecuted, uh, but the senior had died, uh, and the money's gone. Mm. Generally speaking, the money, you know, when the money's gone, it's gone. Uh, so police, Brista Elder Services, they could do it through an attorney if they're engaged, you know, involved with an attorney or calling our office directly because I want to be responsive to these cases. If they're, in some cases, it may not be a criminal matter, but I want to provide assistance, uh, direct them to the right uh, uh, agencies. If it is a criminal matter, as we have done in many cases, we'll bring charges. Well, I'm very impressed with some of the things that um, your office does and that you have done. I had heard myself recently there was a case in the community, we're not going to mention the names, where there was a bookkeeper working for a prominent law firm who had stolen close to a million dollars. And that case was resolved through negotiation and settlement and restitution of a good chunk of that money. Um, and I think that was a very successful resolution. I agree with you, and again, without getting any names, that might be... That particular case, I believe you're referencing, uh, might have been the most restitution ever repaid in, in, in a criminal matter. Mm. Uh, I certainly don't recall it, maybe before my time. But you try to balance the various equities. Yes, a very serious matter, but to the extent someone can be made reasonably whole in those cases, that is a big victory. Um, but that's an example of what I've been able to do. You need to have, uh, we have the right uh, people in the unit. Mm-hmm. Attorney Michael, Assistant District Attorney Michael Scott oversees that unit. Uh, he has a lot of skills that he brings to bear on these cases. He has a financial background, a banking background. It requires uh, diligence and methodical review of records in many cases that, you know, a lot of people don't want to do. And that's what's necessary to prove these cases, and that's what happened in that case. Sure. And what I read in the uh, release from your office was it was something like $600,000 in restitution. That's an enormous sum of money. And that's a better result than just putting somebody in jail immediately and not recovering the money. Uh, you're right. And it's, again, a balancing uh, uh, 
approach, if you will. You're balancing the various interests, but I've never recalled money, uh, that amount of money being repaid in a case of that na nature al alleging theft. And we've had others over the years that people have been held accountable. Um, I think uh, it, it's been a very successful initiative. I think it's somewhat of a unique initiative in the state because, again, People talk about our seniors, but it's prosecution, also prevention, though. Mm. And I'm re-engaging with the seniors, and we've had two years of these, uh, many of these uh, senior centers and, and uh, related uh, similar f uh, facilities and agencies shut down because of COVID. There's mm -hmm. been a lot of isolation. Uh, and I've been out now for the past six months. You know, we've had the COVID waves, but I feel energized, and I feel... Uh, engage and, and, and I'm bringing a simple message especially on the scams do not get involved with somebody you do not know on the phone hang the phone up don't answer the phone if attorney Lance is representing you and calling you a message will be left if the doctor's calling you a message will be left if somebody's calling you from Antarctica or <laughs> Africa Thailand. or Thailand uh, you don't need to speak to them or Texas, or California, or Wisconsin. I get calls every single day from places that I don't know of anybody there. I don't answer the phone. You if shouldn't. They, if they're going to leave a voicemail, they'll leave a voicemail, and I'll figure out whether I want to talk to them or not. Well, I think, Ray, that's critical advice, and I'm glad to hear it, because that's the simple message I'm bringing more than ever. Let, let's not get involved, you know, why they have the numbers and the exchanges you want to engage in with these people on the phone. Don't answer the phone. I, I know it's maybe not polite. I know that if people are traditionally people would answer the phone, but this is what we've come to in society. Yep, just make it a habit. I think that's part of the problem for elders is that they were trained and have lived their entire life as um, polite uh, people, polite, <laughs> decent, <correct>. nice <laughs> folk. Agree. And if somebody calls, you answer. You're absolutely <laughs> right, and that's why I'm that's, taking this so seriously because. Yep. They're vulnerable victims. They've done so much for our communities, and they need to be protected, and that's what we're doing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you we're privileged this morning to have with us as our special guest, uh, District Attorney Thomas M. Quinn III. Uh, he's currently your district attorney protecting you. But I want to say something more about your background, Tom, because we had talked about this once before in the past. Um, you are a Dartmouth High School graduate. Yes. But then you went to Holy Cross in Worcester. Yes. So then when you were at Holy Cross, uh, well, we were there a little bit earlier than you, but both Tenny and I were graduates of Clark University in Worcester. Yes. We played basketball against each other and other, other sports, I'm sure. But I used to go to some of the basketball games. And um, Holy Cross was also impacted in a major way in 1953 when the tornado went through in Worcester. I was part of that tornado. I was in the middle of it. And then you went to Suffolk University Law School. You're also a um, parishioner at Holy Name Parish in Fall River. You're a member of the Holy Name Parish Finance Council. You serve on the Bishop Connolly High School Board of Trustees. And you're also a mentor at Nativity Preparation Preparatory School in New Bedford. What do you do as a mentor? Um, well, you, there are students there that you mentor. Actually, the last uh, several years, I, uh, when COVID hit, I uh, that I stopped that, uh, and hopefully we'll do that again. But I, uh, there are young students there who are part of this mentor program, and that you meet with them once a week and 
there's a, a was an open discussion for uh, with everybody talking about different issues. You broke up into groups and pro- try to provide them support and guidance as they move through school. Uh, some of them are making a decision about uh, what high schools they're going to uh, in the seventh or eighth grade. So to provide them support and encouragement. Uh, and I've been fortunate, so I was happy to uh, speak to some of them, and it's been a, it was a good experience for me. Good. When we come back after a short break, I want to tell you about my own barber who cut my hair for many, many years, and he got involved in something after he retired where he was going once a week and pulling two or $300 out on a credit card to give to somebody. So scams are everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about some more specifics. Um, before we take our quick break, I just want to mention that you were initially first attorney general under Sam Sunner, and then you were appointed in 2015, but in 2016 you were elected, in 2018 you were elected again as district attorney. Yes, I, I, that's correct. I did serve as the first assistant district attorney under Sam Sutter for eight years, and then have been the district attorney approaching now eight years uh, since I was appointed. And there is no Republican running for district attorney in November, correct? Correct. That means the election is Tuesday, November, excuse me, Tuesday, September 6th. So get out and vote, ladies and gentlemen. We will be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So again, this morning, we're talking about the very important subject of elder abuse and especially elder financial abuse. It's a serious thing. It's incredible when attorney Tenny Lance and I have seen so many examples of it in just our own office, and it's constant, it's pervasive, it's everywhere. And our special guest this morning is uh, District Attorney Tom Quinn, and you have a very special elder financial abuse section that you established. I can't tell you how important that is, Tom. The, the seniors just get taken av- advantage of too many times. They simply do. That's correct, and I think when I came into office, you know, again, approaching eight years ago, uh, you see this rampant fraud and abuse uh, of our seniors, and I I decided to do something about it by forming this unit, by putting resources into it, uh, and I think it's been very successful because I've engaged the seniors. I've been to every senior center in the county multiple times, at least once to each one, and that's the county, not one city or town. Uh, I've been out recently re-engaging because obviously with COVID, for everybody's uh, health and safety, uh, groups weren't meeting, and I feel energized and reinvigorated uh, going out to meet the seniors and giving them advice and showing that I care about them. Uh, You alluded to that case earlier. That's a financial crimes case, so it's incorporated into that unit, but I think we're making a difference. Uh, But the best advice is uh, don't get involved with people that are trying to manipulate you and steal money from you. As was mentioned, our seniors are polite. They've been outstanding members of our community. So it's e- it, and isolated in a sense that if they're home during the day, that's when the calls come. Mm-hmm. I can get calls on my cell phone, but I'm out and about. When you're home, you're there, the phone rings, you may answer it. You know who's calling it. Unless you've got a brother in Texas or you have a, a dear friend in Idaho, nobody's calling you from Idaho uh, with good intentions. No, that's true. Or from Canada. Or from Canada, or from anywhere else, for that matter. Uh, you know anybody in New York City uh, who's calling you, or 
I mean, obviously, if you're friendly with somebody nowadays, people know the numbers. Um, they're on their cell phones in many instances. Obviously, there's a medical issue. The doctor's office, the dentist will leave a message on the phone, and you will then hear it, and you will write the information down. But I can't emphasize that enough. Is it, it, against the grain as it goes for some people not, you know, to not answer the phone. Mm-hmm. You just got to not do it when you don't know the number because nothing good will come of it. And if you give money, I was at a senior center recently speaking that very day and, and either that day or the day before, someone, who, a spouse was prepared to give $29,000 to Costa Rica. Uh, now, they engaged with the senior center, and that was stopped. And I don't make fun of anybody because who knows what's going sure. on. But we are all can be vulnerable victims. Because yep. if there's something in it for us, it sounds like, oh, I can do this and get something. However, fortunately, that was stopped. But there are legions of stories where people are losing thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout the country. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of it is not reported. And some people never call you, by the way. The IRS never calls any citizen. If somebody calls and says they're from the IRS and you owe them money and you need to do something about it, it's a scam call. Don't take that scam call. But most of all, screen your calls as much as you can. So, Tom, um, I was interested to learn that uh, just last year, November of 2021, you were elected to serve as president of the Massachusetts District Attorneys Association. Yes, that's correct. I appreciate the uh, support of my colleagues. That's, um, that's an honor. Yes, I, I, I've been there since I've been the president since November of last year. Probably um, also a lot of work. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of issues that that come up. It involves legislation, interacting with the legislatures, the budget, um, and uh, I, I, you know it, it, it's important because uh, there are initiatives that you want to see. Uh, the district attorneys benefit from, for example, over the years, the assistants were not paid much money, and during the past seven and a half to eight years, through the support of the legislature, we've been able to increase the salaries of assistant district attorneys substantially, which is important because they do very hard and demanding work. So I'm happy to have led that again this year, and we're able working with uh, the leadership in, in the legislature to obtain additional increases, and also for all people in the office. So I've also tried to focus on having. A, uh, some changes made to the dangerousness statute, um, keeping dangerous criminals mm-hmm. and uh, uh, habitual criminals behind bars. Unfortunately, these changes uh, did not happen, but I'm going to continue to work on that because people uh, need to. Uh, people have a right to feel safe in their communities, and that is done by keeping the dangerous people off the street. Right, and um, I know that you did something again in June of this year. You had a senior appreciation day that took place in Westport, and you hadn't been able to do that for a couple of years because of COVID. So that's a nice thing to do. Did you have a good turnout for that event? It's a very good turnout. I think there are approximately 400 to 500 people there from around the county. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you indicated, we were unable to do that the past two years because of COVID, and that's really a celebration of seniors. It's bringing together seniors throughout the county. I think we had over 70 vendors who were there and sponsors who helped make it possible but we have speakers talking about to the seniors about the pitfalls uh, that that they could uh, come across 
with scams and, and other things. Uh, but they also had 70 vendors there they could get information from to assist them in navigating a variety of issues uh, that can make their lives easier. So it was great to see people there. Uh, I think the, the seniors seem that I interact with there uh, very appreciative of it. Uh, and it's something I'm going to continue to do. Uh, fighting for our seniors is a priority, as you alluded to in the beginning of the show. We need to make more resources available for seniors, not less. And that's what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a number of things we can specifically do to instruct people and advise people. Watch out for some common signs. If you have a friend or a family member that's frequently asking you to buy things that they want or they need or to borrow money, uh, what happens if your check-in or savings accounts are frequently being overwithdrawn? Take a look at your credit card statements. Make sure that nobody else is using your card. There's not large payments made to companies that you don't recognize. But um, friends and family members borrowing money and forgetting to pay it is a significant one. You've got to be careful about that. So I have a sister who's currently living in North Carolina. She's originally from here. And Tenny, because she has a lot of experience with Medicaid and Medicare and helping people with housing uh, senior issues, um, she's looking to try to help my sister find appropriate housing in this area right now. But guess what? My sister also has significant macular degeneration. She can't see without a magnifying glass. So if you're in that kind of position, you could be taken advantage of um, and asking people, don't ever ask anybody to help you read what's on the screen at an ATM, for example. That's really dangerous, and that has happened before. And uh, do things to protect yourself. Watch out for mail solicitations. You know, Tom, I remember one situation. We had a lady uh, who came in, and she was looking for financial advice on how to invest. We do a lot of work at USA Wealth Group on helping people invest their funds. Mostly we're concerned about protecting their principal. But um, she was a classic hoarder. She thought she was going to win the Reader's Digest sweepstakes or another sweepstakes. And she had many subscriptions to the same uh, organization. She had packages in her house that were unopened. She had two whole rooms that were filled six feet tall with boxes that she had never opened of things that she just kept buying. So if you have a family member that you see is doing that, get some help, get some advice. Uh, maybe call Bristol Elder Services, but don't just let it go, you know, and continue. Um, Tenny, we've had some other situations. I want to mention one other situation right now that uh, may end up uh, being something that would be a referable case. We have another client in Dartmouth. I've helped her on the financial side. Tenny has helped her on the legal side. She had a, a neighbor that she really trusted. Uh, she's currently a resident in an assisted living facility in Dartmouth. She hired the neighbor to do roofing and sheetrocking. Um, when we met him for the first time, we asked him about getting a building permit and producing insurance. He said he would- And a contractor's license. Uh, and a contractor's license. He said he would produce it the following week. Uh, he never did. Um, he did some significant work at her house. The building department went out and looked at it and put a cease and desist sign on her house and said no work could be done without a building permit. So the work stopped. But in the meantime, she had paid him a lot of money. All the work that he had done had to be torn out 
and she hasn't recovered any money back from him, thousands and thousands of dollars, probably in the order of twenty to $30,000. But the important thing is that I'm now working with your elder abuse unit to try to recover that. We're trying to determine if there is a way to prosecute this fellow. Yeah, I think, again, in general terms, we have to look at a case uh, such as this or something similar. The facts are presented, and we have to uh, analyze it in terms of the existing law. Of course. And is there a, a crime committed? Um, certainly those types of things are very disturbing, but as you alluded to earlier, it just shows you the importance of being very careful, especially when you're turning over large sums of money, any money for that matter, but large sums of money to individuals who um, you don't know, uh, you may not be aware of their history. <clears throat> Obviously, if somebody's a well-known contractor who you know locally and family or friends have used the person, that might be more reliable. But here's the problem. Once the money's gone, it's gone. Yes, that's true. And you have to take civil action or in a rare case, criminally, you might get it back. But in most cases, it's awful difficult to uh, get you, get reimbursed uh, for all the money you've put out. So we're going to take our last break before the end of the show. We've been talking about elder abuse with our district attorney, uh, Thomas Quinn. I want to remind you that there is no final election uh, candidate on the Republican side in November. So the election really is... September 6th and the primary. So make sure you vote in the primary. Most people don't take the time to vote and they should. And I'm particularly proud to be uh, in a district served by you, Tom. We'll be right back Thank after you. a short break. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. Welcome back to our special show today on elder financial abuse. And we're very thrilled and excited to have with us a special guest. My wife, <laughs> Attorney Tenny Lance. Thank you, but that's somebody much more special. Oh, here. yes, of course. We have our district attorney, Thomas Quinn. So, Tom, I asked you right at the very beginning if you enjoyed being district attorney. What made you decide that you wanted to become district attorney? You've got a lot of experience in that position. Well, I do enjoy being district attorney. Um, I think it's an important position. Uh, I think. Uh, overseeing the prosecution of criminal cases uh, <clears throat> throughout the county uh, is, again, very important. I try to bring balance to the prosecution. I try to be fair, but also hold people accountable. Uh, again, the individuals that uh, commit uh, serious crimes the, and repeat offenders, uh, they have to be uh, kept off the street in many instances to protect the public. Mm -hmm. If people don't feel safe in their communities, you don't have a community. That's right. Uh, but <clears throat> fairness uh, is very important to me. Uh, I, I've tried my best not to take myself too seriously over the years that a particular case uh, is about doing uh, – the right thing or bring about a just result while that can be debated at times that's what I've tried to do throughout my career uh, I have been on both sides of things I have prosecuted people for murder but also defended them so uh, I understand the competing interests that are, that are involved but mm -hmm. uh, I've also tried to have a number of community programs uh, that benefit uh, uh, people who are afflicted with various issues um, that aren't 
dangers of the community, working on domestic violence issues in our schools, uh, assisting in the uh, with drug addiction. Um, I have a soft spot for youth and have invested in the youth in our communities. Um, so uh, I think we've accomplished quite a bit. Uh, I think I have a good bring a, a good perspective to the job that has I have significant experience. This is not a job for someone who does not have experience. There are too many issues that you have to deal with now that require experience, integrity, uh, wisdom gained from experience, if you will. Sure. Uh, and a lot of energy. And energy, which I have. I've been, uh, I feel good. I'm working out regularly and uh, you need to bring energy to the job because you never know what you're going to confront on a day-to-day -day basis. You've also done something interesting that I just read about in Dartmouth Week on uh, August 18th issue that says DA's office expands cold case unit for missing persons. That's fascinating. Can you tell us about yeah. that a little bit? Yes. Um, one of my initiatives has been expanding our cold case unit that focuses on unsolved homicides and uh, violent sexual assaults that have been uh, remain unsolved and we've done that through a number of areas one we solved the cold case of a brutal rapist going back 25 years uh, in bristol county through uh, familial dna testing and dogged investigation um, the uh, cold case unit we've expanded to look at uh, missing persons and also uh, unidentified remains uh, in some cases, there are those. In some of those cases, homicides uh, have been committed, but you need to identify a body and/or remains. So mm -hmm. we're working on that, and that's an expansion of our unit, which has solved several cold case homicides. And so you're working with DNA evidence and, and so forth, and in, in doing some of that, I would yes, assume. Yes, we, we're coming together, utilizing advanced techniques in DNA, collecting DNA, which uh, the, the state has not done adequately. Uh, going back and reviewing homicides for almost 50 years and also cold case sexual assaults. We have a rape kit initiative when I learned that uh, thousands of rape kits statewide weren't tested, including 1,100 in our community. I applied for a grant, was the only DA's office in the state to do that and obtain it. I read about that. That's important. And it's some women deserve to have those kits fully tested. Um, we did, Our office didn't know about it, nor did law enforcement. And... I did something about it, and I'm told we're on track to have over 1,100 kits fully tested by the end of this year, and we have solved several cold case violent sexual assaults, several from New Bed Bedford. Uh, we anticipate uh, other hits to other cases, but that would not have been done without applying the grant, and one of them was a sexual predator that has been charged. I would Must imagine that the victims are very grateful for that experience and for, for, the, for that effort. Yes, they've expressed their gratitude and thanks for us to continue to pursue these cases and not forget about their case. And I think that's what we've been about, putting all the resources into play to, to get results on these cases and just to convey the message that we're not going to give up. I'm not promising every case obviously is going to be solved, but we're taking a look at them and have solved several of these cases, homicides and violent sexual assaults. And you seem to be a fairly humble person, but it must be must give you a lot of self-gratification um, to be able to help these people. 
Well, I try to be humble. I'm uh, fortunate to be in the position. I have a lot of support from people. Uh, I have a great staff. A lot of the F thanks goes to them. Uh, we have people who have don't, uh, 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 dedicated a good portion of their professional lives to fighting for victims, to try to solve cases and, and to obtain justice in very difficult circumstances. So uh, it does give me gratification, uh, you know, personally, but as an office, because that's what it's about, a team approach. Everybody has something to contribute. And, you know, we have a very effective staff who's done a lot of good for the citizens of Bristol County. And uh, the county's important to me. As you said, I grew up in Dartmouth. My family's from New Bedford, have strong connection to Bedford. I live in Fall River. I have siblings that live throughout the county. So Bristol County and the well-being of the citizens and doing the most we can for them is very important to me. So let me ask you a question, Tom. And we're speaking with our district attorney, Tom Quinn. You must work fairly closely, I would assume, in your whole office with the local police departments. Yes, we do. And state police. I yes, saw. we have a state police unit assigned to our office that investigates primarily homicides. So do you ever watch any of the district attorney shows on television? You know, uh, not, not recently, although I did watch Law and Order for a while, and occasionally Blue Bloods, which is more of the police, but they, uh, the, I think the, one of the stars is a prosecutor in the office. So Yeah, I like that show. <laughs> yeah, I do like it too. I'm <laughs> just curious. I had to ask you that one question. And a lot of it's not reality, though, so it, no, it's, a sure. nice, it's a nice release to watch it. But uh, I was asking the question. <laughs> well, there's, there's so many things that you and your office have done that I, I find really amazing, and especially the work that you do with elders and elder financial abuse. As I mentioned, Tenny and I have seen uh, so <clears throat> many cases. We've seen several cases in the last year, two years, when you've had a caregiver who's become a live-in caregiver, and all of a sudden they've gone to somebody else and they're now a major beneficiary in somebody's estate. So be careful of your caregivers, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes they can take advantage of you as well. Or if you are a child of a parent who has a full-time caregiver living in, be careful, be, be investigating what's going on. Things happen, and bad things happen. You're very right. You have to be vigilant more so than ever in the society, and whether it's vigilant of a family member or a caregiver, again, many of these people provide loving care and attention, but some don't, and lives are upended and ruined by, uh, uh, in those cases. Uh, well, I think what you're doing, especially in the area of prevention, is very important. Everything from your um, senior day, um, what's it called, senior appreciation. Celebration of seniors. Celebration of seniors event that you do to having your new unit that focuses on the subject of financial abuse. Those are critical things to prevent our elders from being taken advantage of. We're fortunate we have a lot of other good resources in the community as well. We have um, uh, Bristol Elder Services. Um, we have Coastline Elderly Services. We have an organization called Safe Southeastern Alliance for Elders. And if anybody listening today would like more information about any of these organizations, or if you'd like a copy of the Elder Abuse Prevention Brochure put out by the District Attorney's Office, we have some here as well. We'd be happy to provide that. There's no charge, there's no obligation. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. We'd be happy to provide that. Or if you are a member of an organization and you would like to have Attorney Quinn address some of these issues, 
Um, where should they call? Uh, they can call the district attorney's office, uh, 508-99-70711, and ask for myself or my executive assistant, Linda Marley. Um, and uh, I'd be happy to come and speak. That's important uh, to engage with people uh, who want to hear about these issues, and that's what I've been doing for the past uh, seven and a half plus years, although, as I said, COVID has take, you know, really uh, limited uh, the ability to speak to uh, seniors during that uh, two years. But as I said, the last few months have been great to re-engage with our seniors. So we've just volunteered you, Tom, to be a speaker. That's fine. <laughs> That's part of my initiative. Well, as we wrap up today, I want to say a very special thank you to uh, our district attorney, Tom Quinn, Tom, you have an election coming up on the primary on Tuesday, September 6th. I want to encourage everybody to get out and vote. Um, we're all very privileged. None of us can be an expert at everything. That's why we encourage you to seek out expert advice when you've got questions. Give Attorney Tenny Lance a call at 508-998-8800. If you have a concern that you think might involve the district attorney's office, give them a call. Give a call to us. We'll be happy to provide the telephone numbers for the DA's office uh, if you forgot to write these numbers down. And most importantly, Tom, we want to say thank you for the good work that you do serving our community and serving our seniors. Um, it makes a huge difference. You've got tremendous experience. We're very privileged to have you doing what you do, and we thank you. Well, thank you. And uh, Tenny, anything else that you want to say before we wrap up? Are we out of time here this morning? We got one more minute left. All right. What else would you like to say, Tom? Anything? <laughs> no. Uh, well, I'm here to serve the people, and that, that's what it—that's what it's about. That's uh, what it's I, all about. And I've been—it's good, to, especially the last few months, to be out and engage them and meet people, and and they—you uh, know—I think you could get. Uh, you get consolation and support from people, which which is good. You know, the, the citizens who are impacted by what you do, but also provide you uh, support. You know, it's not an easy job. A lot of things you're doing, trying to balance, be fair, see that justice is done. Um, and as I said, uh, protecting our seniors will continue to be a priority of mine. I have the, you know, continue to have the energy and intensity to focus on that initiative and will provide the resources to help our seniors. So I look forward to continuing to serve the citizens of Bristol County and that, that's why I'm here. Well, thank you for being our guest today and thank you for the service that you provide uh, to Bristol County and good luck. And ladies and gentlemen, until next Sunday, have a safe week. <laughs>